0: Because this morning, we're going to be doing business. I just thought first Sunday of the year, rather than just have a New Year's resolution, which, you know, most people have a New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution is whatever it is. And, uh, you know, by the 4th or 5th of January, you have already kind of transgressed it. You know, you're going to, you know, get up every day and work out. And you did it the first day, but then you were sore the next day. So you thought, well, not every day. I've got to let my muscles breathe. And then the third or fourth day, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the way I look. And, uh, but, uh, but, uh, you know, rather than just a new year's resolution that there's, there's something powerful about shredding the old, you know, e- even, even the reptiles will shed a skin to, to signify letting go of the old and stepping into the new and, uh, you know, 2014 is, is, is literally a blank canvas. It is, a, it is a, a year that right now is crowned with goodness. The Bible says that God crowns the year with his goodness. So the year can be crowned with the goodness of God. But I've discovered that I can, you know, even though God has crowned the year with his goodness, I can ruin it because I bring some of the junk from the year before, from the years before with me. Some of the same stinking attitudes, some of the same poor paradigms, some of the same mindsets, some of the same negativity, some of the same insecurities, some of the same fears, some of the same phobias. and, And I don't know about you, but I don't want I don't want to ruin what God has desired and designed for me. If He's, if he's purpose for me to live up here, I don't want to aim down here. If He's purpose for me to live up here, I don't want to achieve down here. I, I want to do everything I can to hit up there. You know, as as I kind of get older every year, as we all do, it's amazing. I kind of look back now and I think, my goodness, imagine if I could go back in time just 20 years, if I knew... 20 years ago what I knew today. How many people kind of live there thinking, my Lord, if I could just go back 20 years and if I knew then what I knew now, how much better off I'd be and how much smarter I'd be in the decisions I make. Well, can I just tell you that uh, you're crossing into 2014 and you've never known as much, you've never had access to as much knowledge, access to as much wisdom. Do you know sitting right around you in the seats in this house, uh, people that have got uh, great wisdom? wisdom in life experience and in finance and in business and in marriage and in family and in, you know, Christendom that, that, can, that can impart to you, that you can get with, that you can buy coffee, that you can fellowship with. You can actually set yourself up this year, 2014, to be the greatest year of your life. But, you know, the, the greatest thing that I've discovered is that I actually have to deal with me. In the, uh, in the Twisted production, one of the, one of the chapters was our real enemy is actually our inner me. I'm not sure if you, if you remember that. Our real enemy is actually our inner me. And I've actually found that if I can just listen to the Holy Spirit and deal with the inner me, I, I actually defeat the enemy on a number of fronts. Now you may say, well, hang on, where's that in Scripture? I'm so glad you asked. In Proverbs 27, 20 verse 27, Proverbs 20, 27, it says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the inner rooms of his heart. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the inner rooms of his heart. And then in Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is the man. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is the man. I'm not sure whether you realize this, but life is actually lived from the internal externally or from the inward out. For example, in 3 John verse 2, it says this. It says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So, so John is, is writing, the is saying, Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You'll find that as your soul flourishes, your life flourishes. You'll find that as your soul increases, your life increases. But you'll find that if your soul is in bitterness, you can have all the trappings of life, you'll be in bitterness. If your soul is is kind of squashed, you'll find your life is squashed. If you find your soul is in discontentment, you'll find your life in discontentment. As it goes with the soul, that's why you're the smartest people in San Diego today, because you're in the house of God and you're feeding your soul on the Word of God. Can somebody say amen? So I want you to come with me to to uh, one Samuel chapter fifteen. One Samuel chapter fifteen. As we come around this shredder Sunday, and uh, we're going to be shredding some stuff today. On your on your seats there'll be a um a little shredder weekend thing like this, and you can get, write down what things you're going to shred. And I'm going to give you three areas that I'll, I want you to think about. And there's there's pens and stuff available. But today we're going to do some shredding. Who who's ready to kind of get rid of some stuff from two thirteen and Go into 2.14, the strongest and the leanest and the cleanest and the wholesomeness that you've ever been in your life. So 1 Samuel 15 says this in verse 1. It says, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now let me just kind of pause there for a moment. How many people know right there that is a pretty ruthless verse? Now, you need to understand that God is, it's only the scriptures that give us very, very clear definition of the beginning of life, that life begins at conception. It's only the God of the Bible that actually is, champions above every other religion the sanctity of human life. And yet here, this same God is, is giving a directive to Saul as he goes into battle against the Amalekites, that he's to kill the Amalekites, not just the men, but also the women and also the children and also the nursing children. How many people know that if God is making such an urgent request, there must be a reason for God to, to, to seemingly transgress Something that is so dear to him, there must be a greater purpose behind all of that. God is the champion of life. He's the protector of the innocent. And yet here, God is giving this directive, and it'll unfold as we, we go, go through it. So Saul gathers together all the people, numbers them in till, um, 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 men of Judah, verse 5. Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag. And the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings, the lambs and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly have regretted that I set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord the whole night. Verse 12. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed has set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Always be nervous of leaders that want to set up monuments to themselves. Then Samuel said to Saul, uh, Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord, Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought from the Amalekites, for the people spare the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were a little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed all the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice it to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Always be nervous of leaders who not only set up monuments to themselves, but who blame people for the the failures. I, I believe that great leadership is one that always accepts responsibility but always deflects praise. You know, when something great happens, it's the team. It's the the great staff. It's the great people that God has surrounded me with. That's the mark of a great leader. But when someone says, oh, it was the people, oh, it was this person, it was that person, while they're setting up a monument to themselves, that just shows weak leadership. And uh, here, you know, he's saying, well, you know, the people brought it because they wanted to sacrifice it to the Lord. And uh, and Samuel's like, dude, don't, don't think that God is so impressed with sacrifice. He prefers obedience to sacrifice. How many people know that Jesus is our sacrifice? He died on the cross as our sacrifice. But just because he died on the cross for our sin doesn't mean that we should just keep going on sinning. Because God desires obedience above sin. Yes, there is a sacrifice there. But I've got to tell you, in your life and in my life, we get stuck in areas until we come to that place where we, we stop being disobedient and we start being obedient, because obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, there has been a sacrifice made. Jesus hung on the cross and paid the the penalty for your sin and for my sin. He bore the wrath of God on the sins of mankind so that you and I can have forgiveness. But I'm telling you, you and I will go around and around the same mulberry tree until we cross the cross that threshold where this issue whatever it stubbornness and rebellion and whatever it is in our hearts until we vanquish those things and begin to respond to the lord in obedience until we let go of some of those things so that we can lay hold of the things that god has for us because god desires obedience over sacrifice verse 23 goes on says for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. Therefore, He has also rejected you from being king. You know, I want to, uh, you know, set you and I up this year to have the most powerful year. But uh, in this story, A is the king of the Amalekites, and Saul spares him. Not only does he, does he spare him, but he spares the best of the, the, the fatlings of the lambs and the sheep and the oxen and everything else. And if you actually follow the story through, the very thing that, that uh, Saul spared later actually kills him. In fact, if you go, go forward a few, few chapters, you find the tragic end of Saul and his sons. There is a, a, an Amalekite, there's an Agagite who actually comes up to David and says, I saw Saul wounded in the battle and I struck t- uh, took out my sword and I struck him and I killed him. And so this guy, because, you know, he knew that David was going to be the new king, thought that he could get in with David to be, you know, uh, on David's team, thinking that David would like this guy, that in fact that he killed Saul, who was, you know, really, chasing david to to murder him and and david's like why did you think it a small thing to raise your hand against the lord's anointed and slew this descendant of agag right there and and the very things that that saul was meant to kill because he refused to kill it years later it came back to not just kill him but also kill his children Probably the the thing that puts the fear of the Lord in me the most is the very, very iniquities that have been passed down from maybe my grandfather to my father that are now in my lap. If I don't deal with those things, that they can not only take out my destiny, they can only take out, but they can affect my children. That they can take out, and, and here is a most powerful, most potent picture, that the very thing that Saul spares Comes back later and doesn't just kill him, but his beautiful son, Jonathan, and all his other sons, they're all slaughtered in battle because of something that he was unwilling to kill right here at this moment. You know, it may, maybe it didn't make sense. Maybe it, maybe it looked on paper just like a wiser thing or a more shrewd thing. But How many people know that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to the things of God? Come on, somebody. And, and, and you may not understand, why would God ask me to kill? Why would God say, you know, kill the, the nursing infant? Why would God say that to do that? Why would God say to do that? I, I don't understand. Why would God say to do that? It seems so cruel. There's, sometimes that's what faith is, is just trusting God. I, I don't know about the, the, the nursing infants things, but you know what I do know? If, if you fast forward a few hundred years, now remember they were meant to completely, utterly wipe out the Amalekites. The king of the Amalekites was Agag. If you fast forward a few hundred years, the children of Israel are again in jeopardy. They are this close to to again being wiped out in another attempt of of a final solution. It's in the time of Esther. And King Asahuerus is sitting on the throne, and he's elevated a man in his position to third in the kingdom, and his name is Haman. If you look at Haman, Haman, the Bible says, was an Agagite. Haman was a descendant of Agag. And here he is, years, hundreds of years later, this is in in the time of the, the, the Babylonian captivity, and Esther has to go and risk her life before the king to bring deliverance or, or else every single Jewish person in the entire land was going to be slaughtered because living and dwelling inside of this man, this, this guy Haman, he just had this hatred. He just had this hostility towards the Jewish people. Maybe if you sat down with him and asked him where, where this hostility, maybe he couldn't even explain it. Do you know there are things that are passed down? That there are grievances that are passed down. You know, you go to, you know, Northern Ireland and, and you see the Protestants and the Catholics today. And, and, you know, back in the IRA and back in bombings and everything. And, and those people have died and those people are gone. And yet the children grow up and the children have exactly the same hostilities. And, and if you were to interview them, they don't know why they're just in there. You go to the Middle East. And you find that even the Sunni Muslims and the Shiite Muslims war against each other, against the different tribes and a different against the different factions, and they hate each other and they, they kill them and then they kill them and then they kill them, and they and it just goes on. It's it's blood feuding. And we see it all through history because there, there are things, there are hatreds, there are things that are passed down generationally. And and because Saul was disobedient with dealing with something down here, it again placed the entire nation in a precarious position and put them in jeopardy hundreds of years later. When God says for us to kill something, when God is speaking to you about shredding something, can I tell you today, have no mercy. Can I tell you today, don't let it live. Today, put it through that shredder. Today, this is is the equivalent of the sword. Let's put it through the sword. Let's put it under the sword. Let's slaughter it today. Whatever God is speaking to you about slaughtering, let's slaughter it today. You know, I I love my kids. I've got three handsome sons and a beautiful daughter. But I recognize that there are some things that I've inherited. and, And you know what I used to fuss about it. I used to get upset. Well, you know, this wasn't mine. I didn't open the door to this thing. There was, you know, a previous generation opened the door. It's not fair that I have to deal with this thing. And, and God says, well, maybe it isn't fair but you've got to deal with it. What are you going to do with it? Are you just going to kick the can down the road and and make your kids have to suffer with that, make your kids struggle with that, or are you going to deal with it? Are you going to put this thing to the sword? Well, it's not easy to do. Well, are you going to do it or are you going to leave it for another generation? Can I just encourage you, church, as we cross into 2014, be bold, be courageous, be strong fear not be strong today let's put to to death let's slaughter some of those things so let me go into three quick areas and then i'm going to have the band come up and we're going to uh, have the pastors come and we're going to put the shredding machines on we're going to start shredding but let me just give you three quick areas i felt the lord speak to me the first one kind of came as a little bit of a surprise he said in the area of seeds i said what do you mean by seeds and he said every seed contains a harvest within itself Every seed contains a harvest within itself. Inside one little orange seed is an orange tree with lots of oranges, with lots of seeds. Inside every seed is the potential for a harvest. Seeds are, are, are thoughts. Seeds are, are, are thoughts that, that maybe we, we entertain, maybe thoughts that we, that we have in our minds. And just like here in the Scripture, uh, you know there, there was the, uh, the the killing of the, the 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 infants it can seem so small and insignificant sometimes little seeds sometimes little thoughts can seem so small and can seem so insignificant in our minds but but can I just tell you every seed produces a harvest many years ago I was in a in a meeting where somebody prayed for me and, uh, and I, I hit the deck and I was kind of out under the spirit and I saw a uh, I saw a door open and as I uh, And I felt the Lord calling me towards this door. And as I walked towards the door, I could see that there was just like an inferno of fire behind the door. And I knew it was the Lord. And the the, the Bible says in uh, uh, Hebrews, I think it's 1329, that the Lord our God is a consuming fire. And I felt the Lord calling me in. But as I tried to get into the door, I couldn't get in. And I I remember saying to the Lord, why can't I get in? And uh, and then all of a sudden, one of the flames leapt out of the, the doorway and landed on me and then you know, my, my, my clothing caught on fire. And as my clothing caught on fire, then all of a sudden I found myself able to enter into the door. As soon as I entered in, I kind of came out of that, that vision. And I said, God, what was that? And God says, be holy as I am holy. There are things that, that you can't access unless you you become holy as I am holy. And so I'm like, well, well, God, what do you mean? And then as clear as anything, God says, "Jürgen." What are you growing in your garden? And I remember just thinking, Lord, really? We're going to talk about my garden, my yard. What has Leanne been kind of you know, piping after you about? He hasn't mowed the lawn. He hasn't weeded the garden, and 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 uh, you know. And he said, like, No, 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 not not in not in your, your physical garden at home. In the garden of your heart. He What things are growing in the garden of your heart? And it was it was like he took he took a light. And it began to shine it in, on the areas of my heart. Honestly, areas that I forgot that he can see everything. Little, little, little things that I'd sown in, the little, little plants that I was growing, that I was, you know, little sinful plants that I was feeding off, that were giving me pleasure. But, you know, when no one else was around. And he says, do you really want to let those things grow? Do you really want to reap the harvest of those things? And I found that I immediately began to see where if I keep letting those things grow, the ultimate harvest was going to be destruction. And I knew that I needed to do some uprooting. I knew I needed to do some weeding and uh, some of those things were so deep that you know I cut them out and ripped out but it's amazing you know little bits of the root must still be in there because a lot of those things keep coming back up that's why I thank God for the deliverance conference for freedom conference because it's an opportunity even for me as a pastor to, to make sure that I'm walking in holiness that I'm walking in righteousness that I'm weeding my heart and you need to understand if you think that God is the only sower the Bible teaches that the devil sow tears amongst the wheat and the devil would love to sow all kinds of discord and animosity and insecurity and fear and negativity and bitterness and resentment and lust and greed. He'd love to sow all of that kind of stuff into your heart. Don't ever think that God is the only one that sows. The devil is a sower, but you and I are in charge of the garden. It's interesting that God's first man that He creates, He puts him in a garden to tend and to keep the garden. Because here's the deal your life, your heart is like a garden. You choose what you sow into it and you choose. Choose what grows in there, and when the devil comes and sows weird stuff, and when the devil comes and sows negative stuff, and when the devil comes and sows adverse stuff, you go in there and you rip that stuff out. You and I are called to take dominion over the. There was a serpent. If Adam would have snapped that thing's neck, we wouldn't be in this mess today. But he allowed that thing to have a voice. Don't let the devil sowing. A Don't let the devil's voice have a voice in your life. Let's let's uproot the things in our garden. So the first area is in the area of seeds it's in the areas of thoughts negativity fear adultery betrayal infidelity uncleanness manipulation witchcraft remember it's the little foxes that spoil the vine let's capture the little foxes to change our destiny we've got to change our thinking the second area uh, is in the area of words and by words I mean proclamation Um, it's interesting if you look at the person of Goliath Goliath comes out you know 40 days morning and evening, morning and evening, presents himself with these big bold words, give me a man that we may fight, this day I defy the armies of Israel. But it's interesting because Goliath's name in in the the, the Philistine language means soothsayer. Soothsayer. And a soothsayer is is basically a a fortune teller. He's like a psychic, like a false prophet. And so he comes every day, and with his words, he paralyzes an entire army of the Israelites. They are in fear, they are in trepidation, and they are paralyzed into passivity and inactivity because of his words. Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Bring me a man that we may fight. If he defeats me, we'll be your servants. But if I defeat him, then you will be our servants and you'll be our slaves. And everyone was in fear because of his words. Can I tell you, words have power words have power so today I don't want you to just bring seeds and shred them I also want you to bring words negative proclamations proclamations over your life now you know what one of the things that we talk about is doctors reports now I just need you to understand that, that we actually love doctors we actually believe in doctors we actually believe in medicine we, we, we believe that these people who have spent you know four years six years eight years whatever studying you know human biology and and uh, medicine and and all all of those things absolutely are an authority and you do well that is their expertise they are trained in that area that is their sphere and you listening to them and and heeding their advice is a wise thing to do however we believe that they are an authority we don't believe that they are the authority we believe that the ultimate authority belongs to God and so even in our own life when when the doctors gave us a particular report around one of our children that you know that they believe with all of their assessments god bless them i took that to the lord and i asked the lord who is the final authority you know do, do, does this agree and the lord gave me a completely different diagnoses. And so everything we bring to submission to the obedience of Jesus Christ, can somebody say amen? And so maybe you've had a negative report. And absolutely, with medical science, maybe there's nothing more that medical science can do. You know, medical science would have, you know, assessed Lazarus, he's dead. D-E-D, dead, nothing more that we can do. But it wasn't game over for Jesus. Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead. The little girl that died at 12, you know, she was dead. But Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. And and he raised the little girl from the dead. I'm telling you, there is a power, like Pastor John spoke about, a resurrection power. But I'm telling you, the power of words. And, and you have to choose which word is the final word in your life. Is it God's word or is it the doctor's word? Which word is going to be the dominant word? Because whichever word you exercise faith in, that's where you're going to be extracting power from. And so I've always found in my life, it, it ain't over till the fat lady saying, it ain't over till God speaks. I'm bringing it to God. I'm bringing it it to to the Word of God because that's where I want the power flowing from, from God's Word. So maybe you've had negative words spoken over you. Can I just tell you, even... you know, even, even even your mortgage statement is is a word. It's in written form that you're in debt for the next 25 years, 30 years, or whatever. To this, let's let's believe today. Let's believe today that God is supernaturally. You know, I've got a, you know a mortgage, but I'm telling you, I'm believing God that it's not going to take me 30 years. I'm believing God that supernaturally. How? I'm not sure how. All I know is I don't need to know how when I know who. I know that God is a God who can make rivers in the desert, streams in the wilderness. That He can make crooked path straight, that He can make all things flourish towards me, that He owns the cattle on a thousand hills as well as owns the thousand hills, for goodness sake. The earth is the Lord, Psalm 24 verse 1, and the fullness thereof. God didn't put the silver and the gold and the diamonds and the jewels in the earth for the wicked to share amongst themselves. He put that in there for the righteous to flourish, for us to establish His covenants and His kingdom in the earth. So I'm making a decision. You know what? I'm going to even take this written word, and even though it's 30 years, and I'm going to, you know, I will honor my Side of it, But I'm going to have that thing paid off quicker. That money's coming faster. That debt is canceled. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? Maybe it's words from parents. You know, 48% of marriages end in divorce. And, and maybe you had a father that, you know, spoke negative things or harsh things or, or cruel things. And those things still linger in, in the corridors of yesteryear. You can still hear those words echoing. You're no good. You're useless. You're never going to amount to anything. Shred those things today. Those things have incredible power. Those things have incredible power. If you look all the way through Genesis, you'll find that Abraham brings his kids in and he blesses them. Isaac brings his kids in and he blesses them. Jacob brings his kids in and he blesses them. And those that were blessed flourished. You find that the words of a father has incredible weight. It, maybe you didn't have any words of a father. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it was a school teacher that, that said something cruel, that said something nasty, that said something belittling. You'll never amount to anything. You're always going to be stupid. Oh, you know, don't don't ever aim high. You you're not going to have. Let's shred those things today. Don't live under the power of somebody else's word. Live under the power of the word of God. Can I just tell you, you are what the word says you are. You have what God says you, you have. You can do what God says you can do. Can somebody say amen? Credit card debt is probably one of the most prolific things to, to plague our generation. And What credit card debt basically says is thou art mine slave. That's what credit card is saying. Credit card debt is saying, you are my slave. You are snared by your own impulses and your lack of discipline. Let's make a decision today. If you've got credit card debt in the name of Jesus Christ, this is your year. You're going to destroy that debt. Now, listen, there are some phenomenal credit uh counseling agencies even within our church we have a wonderful christian credit counseling agency that consolidate debts and and reduce everything and can even reduce the amounts and everything but don't live under under credit card debt where you are hampered where you are where you're just running just to stand still that's not god's will for your life but right here today, strike a blow to the enemy. You you tell the enemy, I don't care if you're in a $100,000 worth of credit card debt. God can deliver you. God can break that thing in just a moment of time. Refuse to live under the weight. Refuse to live under that bondage. You know, shatter the devil today. Just look at the devil and say, devil, I don't know how. I don't know how. All I know is who. And devil, you know what? I don't need to know how when I know who. Because my God is able to, to look after all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus can somebody say amen and then the third area the first one seed second one words the third area is in the area of what is pleasing to the eye what Saul spared King Agag Saul spared the best of the sheep the best of the lambs the best of the oxen everything that was abominable he destroyed it's amazing you talk to a lot of people and you ask them if they're going to heaven they'll say "Yeah, yeah I'm not a terrorist Oh, they murder people. And they immediately go to, you know, they immediately go to those things. But, you know, the Bible says if you break one of the commandments, you're, you're guilty of breaking all of the commandments. And so, you okay, you may not be, a you know, a murderer, but do you lie? Do you commit adultery? Do you, do you look at a woman to lust after? And you've already broken the commandments. And so what I found in, in our lives God asked me to kill not just what's abominable, but God also asked me, can I kill even that which looks good? Saul spares what's good and God says, no, no, I need you to, to, to kill what looks good. One of the great tragedies of what we call the human condition, sinful nature, is that you and I can actually crave for and become addicted to things that ultimately will destroy your life. You and I can crave for and become addicted to things that destroy our lives. Pornography, heroin, alcoholism, junk food, things that that are destructive to us. And yet we can actually crave them that they may look good. They may, they may have a great taste. They may have an appeal. But you know they're destroying you. Today, let's, let's enter into 2014. And let's shred some of those things. I'm not asking just to kill what looks evil. I'm asking you to kill even the stuff that looks good. Can you do that? Let's, let's go seeds. Let's take words. But let's also kill those things that look good. Don't live with an addiction. Don't live. Because all an addiction is 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 a way to put you in slavery, to put you in bondage. You think we think we're so liberated when we do those things, but all we are is is again making ourselves a slave to a particular sin or a particular vice or a particular addiction, a particular habit. Let's let's today make a decision. You know what? 2014, I'm living free. I'm not going to live addicted to to gossip and codependence and insecurities and fears and anger and animosity and bitterness and unforgiveness and heroin or drugs or alcohol addiction or pornography or lust. I'm not going to live under those things anymore. I'm going to live free. I'm going to live absolutely free to the things of God. I'm going to live that this year is going to be the greatest year. And The reason I'm doing it this way is because next Sunday is Vision Sunday. And Abraham was not able to see what God had for him until he separated from Lot. Lot represented compromise in Abraham's life. God said to Abraham, get out of your father's house, get away from your family, leave your family, and I'll make of you a great nation. But because Abraham's name meant father and he had no kids, he he didn't want to be embarrassed. So he took Lot, his brother Haran's son, which was his nephew, he took Lot with him so he could kind of pass him off as his own kid. But the whole time there was just strife and there was just turmoil. You'll always find that the things that aren't of God bring strife. They don't bring peace. If the alcohol was so good, why is there always strife around it? Drugs are so good, why is there pornography? It's always strife, never peace. But as soon as Abraham separated from Lot, the Bible says, Now lift up your eyes and see for all the land that you see. He couldn't see. while, In fact, if you look at the Hebrew meaning of the name Lot, Lot actually means veil. Lot actually means veil. That there's a veil when, when we operate in compromise that keeps us from seeing. So let's this week deal with those areas in our life. Let's right from the first Sunday of the year, consecrate our year to the Lord, consecrate our lives to the Lord so that next week when we come around Vision Sunday, you'll already be able to see clearly. You'll already be able to begin to see. You know, it's so funny. I was was, uh, just scanning through some of my journals yesterday and uh, and I found my 2005 journal. And what was so delightful was in in the back section, I took two pages and I just wrote out the vision that I felt God was speaking to me about C3 Church. Uh, you know, here in San Diego, and literally to, to the letter, to the T, every single thing that I'd written down in 2005, you know, is, is happening and has come to pass and is coming to pass. Just It's just how good God is. It's how good God is. It's how good God is. But I found that for us to get there next week with Vision Sunday, we've got to shred some stuff today. We've got to shred some stuff today. So, Come on, did you receive that word this morning? So have you all got your, uh, your little shredder? Have you all got it? Fantastic. Why don't you stand with me to, to your feet? Lift, let me just pray a, a blessing over you. And uh, then we're going to put these, uh, these shredding machines up on the stage, I believe. But why don't you lift your, lift your, 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 your shredder notes up in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just take a moment. Just come and pray in the Spirit. Father God, we thank you right now for the presence and power of your anointing father we know that today we we just rebuke the lie of the devil that all we're doing is you're just shredding paper come on do you really think that's got any power devil i remind you the one john 3 8 says this that for this purpose the son of god appeared on earth to destroy the works of the devil and i declare right now that jesus christ his death on the cross destroyed every work of darkness every work of the devil in the name of Jesus Christ and I declare today as we shred these things that bondages are going to be broken chains are going to be snapping of people's lives prison doors are going to bust open light is going to come where darkness once reigned father I declare freedom to the captive today I declare uh, vision to those who have been spiritually blind hearing to those who have been spiritually deaf hearts coming alive unto you O oh God devil in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare you bound. I declare you defeated. I declare your works diminished and destroyed in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for freedom that flows today in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you believe that, say amen.